when I got dressed this morning, I didn't know how appropriate my sweatshirt would be. Um, it is such a blessing to be with you uh, this morning, and we're still celebrating um, 2023 as a church. If you're here for our Christmas Eve service, it's such a great way to end the year, but uh, in case you missed December 17th, it's a big deal. Uh, we got to announce the, a new hire for our church, Takesha Dockery Ragland, as our director of Ops and Children's, and that was such a such a beautiful um, hire, and we we're already seeing beautiful things from that. Um, and we knew that there was more to the operations. Children are just as important, um, but it was going to be 50-50. And then as we got into it, it was going to be more like 60-40. And as we progressed and had a great month with Takesha back on staff, um, there's a lot. This operations is a big monster, and she's already making a difference. We're going to see a lot of fruit from that. So I have another announcement today that because of God's goodness and because of your faithfulness and generosity, we're able to announce today to bring on Melissa Benson as our RC Kids coordinator. I'm not sure Melissa's probably with the kids. Now, Takesha is not out of kids. That's her passion. She's still overseeing children's ministry, and we're able to give um, Takesha some part-time help with Melissa. And Melissa, like Takesha, did not want any part of standing on a stage or saying anything today. So all we could convince her to do is to be in the lobby after church. We'd love for you to get to know her and thank her for taking this, um, this part-time position with, with our staff. She's been with us almost since the day one of the church and just been a faithful, quiet servant. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that God is doing among us. We love our kids back there. And we love you in here. We love our young people that are in here. Um, and we love that it's a new year, right? It's, it's exciting. I know it's just like back in the day, you old folks, all that changed is you had to remember to write the, the right number on a check. You didn't want to mess that up and ruin a check, but nobody writes checks anymore, right? So um, we want to talk and, and do this, this best year ever series. And we're going to kind of pick in this series, we're going to kind of pick on the hype. You know, sometimes, sometimes it bleeds into church. It's going to be the best ever. It's going to be the best series. It's going to be the best, 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 you know, and we're, we're, we're going to kind of run away from that. And I'll, I'll explain why this morning. We're, I think we get in trouble sometimes with the hype, especially specifically to the resolution hype, right? The New Year's resolution. Anybody got a resolution? Anybody got goals? Yeah, it's embarrassing to say I got no goals, but resolutions, they're kind of negative, right? So we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna ask you to share what those are, but we are gonna we're gonna try to steer you away from the hype of New Year's resolutions and the best this best that right. Don't believe the hype. Don't don't don't. Right, right? Um, because here's the reason why are resolutions sinful? No, they're not. They're not sinful. Not bad. They just don't work. We've had studies and stats and surveys, and they all have ugly percentages. Here's one on the screen. 9% of resolutions are kept for the full year. 23% fail by the first week. When's that? That's today. We're too late for 23% of you. 43% don't make it to February 1st. Those are pretty awful stats. So what I'm saying is let's just throw them in the garbage. We're not going to do them anyway. Um, maybe look at it a different way. So we want to have a great year as a church. We want you to have a great year. We're going to spend some time in this series of maybe what a best year ever would look like in your marriage or your future marriage if you're not married, or maybe what the best year ever could look like in your family if you're a parent. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get to 
several different things. But for today, I just want to give you five tips, five things to hold on through for 2024. And we just sang the spirit of the living God, right? We believe the spirit of the living God can speak in this moment. Our prayer for you specifically is that one of these five, they're all good, they're all from the Bible, but that one of these would just hit different when, when, it, when I say it, that one of these would be like you hold on to that and you remember it a week from now, a month from now, maybe that's your New Year's resolution. By the end of the year, you're going to remember one of these five tips. That's not a great one, but go with me. Number one, let's change the timeline, right? Instead of 365, let's shrink that down. Instead of trying to win the year, maybe we could try to win the month. Instead of trying to win the month, maybe you could win the week, right? In fact, tomorrow's the first real Monday of the year. I know we had Monday, but it was January 1st, right? It was a holiday. So for kids uh, going to school and a lot of adults, tomorrow's the first real Monday of the year. What would it look like from God's perspective? I don't know this answer you do. What would it look like from what God sees for you to win tomorrow morning? That's a much better start than trying to say you're going to be on the treadmill for this many miles in July, one, because it's too far away, two, because no, you won't, right? And, and it's, you can't, if, if your goal is to read this many books, you can't do that tomorrow. But you can, you can ask God to help you and ask the spirit of the living God to guide you. That'd be a great question for you to ask in your prayer time. God, what would it look like for me to win Monday morning, January 8th? And start there. In fact, maybe we, don't, maybe we need to shrink it even more. Forget Monday morning, maybe we just need to win today. January 7th, and you maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I came to church, I already won. Uh, yeah, um, I'm glad you're here, but you didn't come to church. Don't say that, because it's a lie, right? What do you mean? I'm in the building. You're in the building, but the building is not the church. The church is the body of Christ. We are the church. You can't come to us, but you came to a worship service, and that is a good start. But maybe I, I tell um, myself and my own life and some of the girls on my basketball team, sometimes Sometimes we get so far ahead, we want to get this many points, this many whatever, just next play. What can I do this possession? So let's live in the moment. So what does that mean for you? Right now you're listening to me preach, right? And I know that's a struggle to stay focused. Maybe, maybe this could be the first day in history of you and Relentless that you didn't daydream for five minutes about something in the middle of the message. I know I've sat out there. It's okay. Um, thankfully, I don't know when you're daydreaming when you're listening, um, but just try to win the hour, We're trying to shrink it down. And this isn't, this isn't my self-help advice. I actually stole this from a guy. His name is Jesus. In his most famous message um, called the Sermon on the Mount, he gave us this beautiful little nugget. He said, therefore, we'll get to the therefore in a second, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? That's Jesus. Now, he He's, he's acting like the day has power, like the day is going to worry for itself. You don't need to worry about that, right? Now, you can twist this, every, like so many scriptures, you can abuse it, right? Kids, young people, college students, hey, son, don't you have a test tomorrow? Yeah, dad, but tomorrow worry about itself. That's what Jesus said, so I'm going with that, right? That's, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in the, in, the, in the context of worry, that therefore that starts with, what did he say right before this? Right before this, he said, Seek first the kingdom. That's your priority. Seek first the kingdom. And in, there's something in seeking the kingdom first with your life that requires you to live in the present, right? Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. What about this moment? That's what Jesus called us to, to stay in that seek first kingdom moment. So maybe we can take some pressure off. 
right? Maybe you need to change your goals, resolutions, whatever you want to call them. Maybe, maybe you need to do that and just shrink them down. I'll, I'll go first, right? So I've just trying to practice what I preach. I eat too much fast food. I love, like, there's no better invention. I love, if you're French, as a multi-ethnic church, we love you because I love the fries that you guys came up with. <laughs> so there's nothing better in the world than a good French fry. I, I love Chick-fil-A, and I eat Chick-fil-A too much. So I'm not trying to win the week. I'm just trying to win today. I'm committed to not go to Chick-fil-A today. <laughs> not going to do it. That's, that's my goal for the day. If you don't know why that's funny, then I'm going to pray for you. Second thing, we got to let go of the control myth, right? Sometimes our problem with resolutions is I can make this happen. And that's offensive to God when you think you can control the world. He's sovereign. You're not. I'm not. Uh, as a parent, 2024 is here. I've got not one, but two of my kids graduating high school this year and going off somewhere. And I want to control that. And I can't. I want to I wanna do for them what I shouldn't do for them. Make decisions, right? You can't control, I learned this in 2023, you can't control your health, right? You can contribute to your health, you can contribute to your kids, but you cannot control. You got to let go of that. Some of you uh, self-described, I don't, I try not to call people's names from stage, self-described, some of you have told me, I'm a control freak. And you say it like it's not that big a deal. It kind of is with God, right? Because he's the one with control and we got to release that to him. There's a... There's a book uh, that was a great read uh, called Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, Story of Success. And it, and it goes through on success. It tells us how we bought the myth that the hardest working people, and it, I'm all for hard work, but he uses data to show there's a lot more factors that go into how people turn out um, athletically, academically. It's just there's a lot to it. There's a lot that is not in our control, and that's okay. We can embrace that. Am I saying to embrace victimhood? No. No, 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 we don't embrace victimhood. We do embrace reality. And the reality is you're not going to control 2024. You're not going to make it anything. You can contribute but not control, especially with the big things and the timing, all right? We're, we're a church. We refer to ourselves as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God and that we believe God is creating a family. So as a family, then I share things like this. There's... Um, there's always stuff happening in our church, and we don't have time to talk about that each week. But as a staff member, Seth, who's usually back here with his guitar and not here today, uh, and he's okay. But let me tell you um, what happened. His, we've been praying for his mom. His mom was um, diagnosed with a tough cancer in August or so. And uh, he was home for Christmas um, in Kentucky to visit with his mom and spend good time. And uh, they drove back Monday, January 1st. Um, the last thing they were told as they left was... Um, hospice was saying, we think it's going to be six months or less, but that's our best guess is six months. So Seth shared that with our staff, and we're like, hey, we've got amazing people that can pick up pieces. And he said, I think I want to leave for Kentucky after church on Sunday, January 7th, leave for Kentucky and just spend a few weeks with my mom. I was just with her, and it was great, but I just want I need to get back there um, because things seem to be going quick. And we said, absolutely, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, then Thursday... This week, I got the call that his mother had passed, that Seth's mother had passed. So, yeah, he went immediately. And we have, like, what we just experienced, like, there's a lot of people that did a lot of things behind the scenes at the last minute to, to, for us to be able to come and worship. But I just thought, as a family, that we could pray uh, for Seth and his family right now. Father, this whole life, we're just so thankful that it's true, that it's not a lie. We thank you that Judy 
says, Mom, that, that she's with you, that that's real, that she has come to you face-to-face, um, that she has achieved her, her great reward of eternity, that she is not hurting or struggling in any way, shape, or form. We just want to pray for our brother. God, we just pray that your supernatural comfort would fall over him right now, that he would know that there is a God that loves him, that there's a church that loves him. We just lift him and his heart to you. We pray for Stephanie and the kids as they grieve. God, we pray for his brother, Matt, and his sister, Krista, and his dad, uh, Bruce. We just put them before you, and we just ask you to um, carry them like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. If you feel so led to reach out to Seth or his family, please do that. Some of us know what that's like. It's just a hard, it's just a hard road. Um, and the Bible speaks to it, um, and I'm thankful for that. James chapter 4 says, listen, you resolution people, you guys who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. All right? That's the anti-resolution verse. I'm going to go do this for a year. What's so wrong with that? That's called planning. Is God anti-planning? He's, he's anti-planning when the planning doesn't include him. He wants us to understand how short this is. How long is your life? He gave us this beautiful visual. You're a mist. You're born, and then you're dead, as long as you can see it. Now, young, we don't know. Young people in the room, your mist may be this. There may be a few of you in the room that it, that's all it is, right? It's just, a, it's just a mist. That's the visual God gave us. No matter how many years you live, you're not here long, right? Didn't mean to offend some of our senior citizens. We're so thankful for you. We hope you're here for a long time. So why has God got a problem with this? Let me give you the rest of the verses. It says, instead, here's what you should say. If it is the Lord's will, here's my goal. Here's my, we're going to live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. All boasting that doesn't that, that assumes you have control of 2024 and what you're going to do, what you're going to be, where you're going to go, outside the Lord's um, input is, is evil according, according to God. He said in Psalm 90, um, the scripture says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I worked at a funeral home for three years, so I talk, talk about death really casually. I got used to it. And some people, that's hard. You don't like the mist. You, you, don't, you don't like the reality of that. But what that does, if you understand how short we're actually on this planet, it gives you a wisdom to make the most of the days that you have. That's the point. Your days are numbered. If, you don't, if you're offended by that, then <laughs> that's all I got. Let go of the control myth. We don't, we don't have it. Third, who's the hero of your story? Who's going to be the hero of your 2024? Right, we want to make Jesus the hero of our story. You understand that God's writing a story, a, a big story with all of our lives, and then individual stories, your, your part in his massive story. And, and the best life is to make Jesus the hero of your story. Here, how do we, here's how we start with that. How many of us, a lot of you raised your hand on goals. I saw no resolutions. That's fine. Um, how many of us, when we set goals or resolutions, how many of us invite Jesus into that process on the beginning? Good, right? It's, he's really good at helping you know what your goal should be, right? What, what I tend to do is I'm going to make this goal, and then I put Jesus' name on it. Hey, bless this goal. Make it, make it happen. And he's like, that wasn't from me. That was from you. So you're on your own. You don't want to be on your own. You want to bring him in because he wants to be the hero of your story. And this is easy for him. 
I'm not asking you to, you know, go do something amazing and then tell people that Jesus did it when it was really you. You don't have to help Jesus be the hero of your story. He's naturally great at that. All you have to do is allow him to lead in the process of, of whatever your year is going to be. Um, how does this look specifically, making Jesus the hero of your story? Here's where I would ask you to start. What is something that you've tried to do, maybe it was a resolution, maybe not, over and over again and failed? That's an opportunity for Jesus to be the hero, right? Maybe, you know, maybe it was exercise three times a week, and you were going to do it, and you were going to do it, and you were going to do it in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and by February, you were a stat, and you didn't do it, right? That's a beautiful opportunity to invite Jesus into it. And you think, well, Jesus doesn't, matter, doesn't care if I exercise three times a week. He does. Jesus cares about you, your, your well-being, your mental health, your physical health, whatever. If you invited him in to that process and you felt like that was something he was calling you to, then, then here's how he's the hero of the story. You say, all right, God, I've failed at this for seven years. I sense from my time with you, from listening to you, that this is important to you. If it's important to you, it's important to me. I can't do it. I've proven that. Would you help me? Would you partner with me? Would you hold my hand? Would you work with me? Could we actually partner and connect in a way? And then what happens? He actually changes you from the inside out, transforms you, and you start to do the thing that you're supposed to do, exercise or whatever, and then you have a testimony. You don't have to stand up here, but you can tell your friends. He's like, they're like, hey, I'm trying to exercise. And you say, you know what? I tried that for seven years and failed until 2024. Maybe this is two years from now. And they're like, people will perk up. You say that, people are like, oh, I understand that. I failed at something too. What changed in 2024? Maybe that's your testimony in 2030. A lot of us, something changed. What changed in 2024? Well, that's the first time I'd asked God to lead me in the change I thought he was making. Then he becomes the hero. Our world is desperate for a Jesus that didn't just live 2,000 years ago, but it is changing our lives that will help us in the gym, will help us in the kitchen, will help us in the marriage. They're desperate for a Jesus. Jesus that actually makes a difference. That is seen when he's the hero of your story. He was the hero of my story in 2023. I'm so happy now because all last year I said, last year I had a stroke, but that's not true anymore because it was 2022. But let me tell you, January 2023, and I wasn't lying to you. I felt, I, when I told you I was getting better, it was true. And it's just becoming clearer on this side of things. But the truth of where I was in January of 2023, one year ago, I'm going to use this word very carefully. I was consumed with fear. Not struggling with fear, anxiety. Consumed with fear. Pastor, what were you scared about? You name it, right? Every, every headache, every cough, every burp. Is that another stroke? Is this it? Is this my last moment? I was consumed with fear. Right? Am I completely done with that? No, I'm not completely done with it, but I'm in process and I'm a thousand percent better than I was a year ago. Not because I put my foot down and just decided to quit being scared, but Jesus has carried me. He's the hero of my story and he wants to be the hero of yours. And it doesn't have to come through a stroke. We just sang, we went, that's line in the song, God probably, we just sang, I know a man who robbed the grave. You know what that means? It means he defeated death. He defeated death. And there's people in this room that believe Jesus rose from the dead, but he can't handle your finances. 
There's people in this room that believe Jesus rose from the dead, but he can't handle your eating disorder or your mental health issue, right? It doesn't mean to come in and fix everything. It's not what he does for me, but he will carry you through it, and he will be the hero of your diagnosis, of your prognosis, of whatever it is. Make him the hero. Number four, this was big. This is kind of the whole series. Behavior change starts with identity change. You've got to see yourself from God's eyes and all the stuff we're talking about. Now, parents, we'll get to parenting some in this series, but we, we talk about transformation over transaction. And I, I feel for you, I don't, this sounds awful. I was going to say I feel for you parents with young kids, like it's a curse. It's not. It's a gift. I just watch you chasing your kids around the church, and I just thank God that mine can walk and talk and do this stuff. Um, and sometimes I do something that's awful I shouldn't do. Um, but every once in a while, I'll get a donut from the cafe while you guys are worshiping, and I'll take it to the preschool room and give it to the kids just to wind them up, just so they're, I, that's not true. Um, but as parents, like raising, raising a kid is no joke, right? So winning the day, some of you parents, some of you moms, oh my goodness, single moms, married moms, mom of any type, moms of teenagers, moms of little kids, winning the day, what God would want most from you today after church, it might be a nap. That might be the most godly thing. That may be worship, just to trust. Your kids will be okay. Close your eyes, right? But in parenting, which we'll get to, transformation versus transaction, there's nothing easy about parenting. But when they're little, there isn't easy. I don't mean to scare you about what's coming. It gets harder. What's easy when they're little is transactional. Consequences and rewards, right? And we all disagree on how to raise a kid, and that's fine. But I'm confident you could give me your kid for a week. And with consequences and rewards, I'm telling we went to extreme. If they're having an issue that they keep doing, now, again, they, sometimes there's other medical chemical issues. Aside from that, you know, all your toys are on the driveway with a free sign. I'm giving away all your toys if you do that again. And they know that you mean it and you will and you have. Man, that behavior changes. On the, on the other side, reward, right? Uh, McDonald's. I don't know if that's a reward or punishment, depending on how you look at life. But it's amazing what you can get a kid to do for a Happy Meal, right? But that's transactional. You know what I'm finding is way harder as a parent? What's hard is developing character. That's way, it's not just consequences and reward. It's transforming who they are. That identity change is what we can make a kid behave, but that, that doesn't, we, we see the stats of what happens to kids who only get consequences, rewards spiritually. That's all they get, and they go to college. Woo! Well, they're like, it's out the window. It's like, well, I brought them to church all those years. What happened? What happened is it's transformation. Behavior change doesn't last. We can do short-term behavior change. We can do that with all kinds of tricks. But real lasting change happens when the identity changes, who you are. Behavior flows out of identity. This is a great book, Atomic Habits. All right, it's not a Christian book, but it has Christian stuff in it. It doesn't even know that it's Christian. The author doesn't, I don't think. Uh, it was the best-selling book on Amazon in 2021. And I, and I, I read it, and it was it's like, man, there's something to this. And a lot of it connects to Scripture, although there's no Scripture in it. Um, and in 2023, it was the best-selling book again. It didn't come out again. It was just the same book. So many people thought, this is what I've been waiting for. 
and it worked, and they, they created stuff, and it just it lasted more than a week, more than a month. So it's the best-selling book on Amazon in both 21 and 23, and its whole premise is your behavior flows out of your identity, which is scriptural, right? That your identity is what pushes your behavior. You know, we like to say things like, um, you know, this is the best version of yourself. I want to be the best version of myself. What scripture would say is you want to be the new version of yourself, not the best version of yourself, but the new version of yourself. That's your identity, that you were made new in Christ, right? There's this great verse in Lamentations. It's a great gospel verse. Chapter 3 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The reality that we can be forgiven and free and be given mercy and the worst of us not held against us by God, that part of the, no matter who you are, what you've done, what you've thought, that, that that's new every single morning. So it doesn't get old even though it's new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So it, new every morning as we center on the gospel, we've got to declare who we are. That's why we preach every week. That's why we worship. We need some of you sing to yourselves because you don't think you sound good. I'm telling you, God loves your voice. Right? We need to declare out loud the truth of these songs that we sing because it's a way of reminding ourselves who we actually are. It's our identity. There's a conversation in your head. I'm going to use several basketball examples. We're all thick into our basketball season right now, so get used to it. Um, and it's, it's our last run. So as a coach, I'm going to retire as my daughter graduates, and we're trying to have a great season. And got my first technical of my career last night. Never got teed up, so pray for that ref named Brian. <laughs> um, but with, what was I talking about? I get all messed up with the, with the basketball. One of the things that I'm always talking to my, my players about, uh, high school girls, is the conversation in your head. I got really good players, but the conversation in their head is so negative. Here's how I know. I told them a few weeks ago, I said, all right, this is a silly example. I can't do this, but I told him, God has given me the ability. We're going we're to go play a game. At halftime, when you come into the seats in our locker room with a table, at halftime and at your table is going to be a printed transcript of every thought you had in the first half. I'm, I'm going to get to know what you're really thinking, right, which obviously I can't, but I was trying to make a point. When I told them that, they laughed. They lol And the looks on their face were like, it's way worse than you think, coach. Like, you, if, if it was on paper, what I was saying to myself during the game, you wouldn't. And we had a conversation about that, and they don't think they can help it, right? And we can talk about that all day. But in this room, whether you're an adult or a kid, I wonder if we could supernaturally, when you leave this, this room, if, we could, if God would give us a, a printout in each seat, and in, on that piece of paper, it would say what you really think God thinks when he looks at you. I think some of us don't have a clue who, what our identity is and what he says you are and why he created you to be a rescued, adopted son and daughter of the king, right? That's, that's really important for the rest of our life and, and all the other things. And then you're new. He says you can be new. Some of you need to go back to the newness that you've been new because you've been with Jesus for decades. Some of you aren't new because you've never put your faith in Jesus. And he's calling you to the newness. It's so beautiful. Uh, in, in Corinthians it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Right? The new is here, and it keeps showing up every day, and it's beautiful. Here's, here's a question we want to ask. Um, what would a rescued and adopted son or daughter do in this situation? That's a great question for 2024. Instead of what would Jesus do, 
Who am I? I am a rescued son or daughter of the king. What is Jesus leading me to do through the relationship I have with him? Relationship, um, not religion. You know that? If we go back, please, Karis, to uh, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. So what does that mean for all of our issues? I was talking with a guy this week, and, and, I, and I'm so humbled and blessed to lead a church that has, and you don't know this because don't, they don't have signs on their head, but among you, per capita is a high percentage of recovering addicts um, and, and, and addicted to whatever. Um, and this particular guy is an alcoholic, and he's used the phrase that they teach you in AA, and I'm not mad about it, the phrase of once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And I was praying toward this, this message, and I just I talked to him. I said, hey, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you're a new creation. You think Jesus looks at you and thinks, that's my guy, he's new, but he's an alcoholic? I don't think you can be new in Christ and an alcoholic. Now, I know what the phrase means, and it's true. You'll always have the proclivity or the potential, but that's not your identity. That's not who you are in Christ, right? We are not defined by our addiction, by our worst mistake, by our upbringing, by anything except for Christ. That identity change is what leads to behavior change. It's the relationship with Jesus not religion, because, and it's so frustrating if you don't get this. Some of you are trying. You're like, I don't know what God wants from me. I'm trying. You're trying to change your behavior without changing your identity. You've got to get relationship with Jesus. He will change you from the inside out, and he becomes the hero instead of somebody saying to you, man, you've, you're, you've worked so hard. I'm so proud of you. Can we be proud of you? Absolutely. We still want to be proud of each other. Those are really powerful words. I can be proud of you. You can be proud of me. What I'm really saying is I'm proud of you for allowing Jesus to lead you in that area of your life, right? We can still be proud of each other and give each other flowers. That's a good thing. We just know who's behind it. Which leads me to number five, we're trying to live a lifestyle, not a list, right? Some of your list makers and list takers, that's not a sin, not mad about that. It's just so much better to focus on lifestyle. I want to give you a, a quote from this book, Atomic Hobbits, that I mentioned. Not Atomic Hobbits. <laughs> Atomic Habits. Atomic Hobbits is a completely different, maybe I'll write that book about hobbits with bad gas. Atomic Hobbits. Let's go to the quote. New goals don't deliver new results. New lifestyles do. And a lifestyle is a process, not an outcome. For this reason, all of your energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. It's from James Clear. Again, he's not speaking from the Bible, but there's so much biblical truth in that. So instead of having a list, let's have a lifestyle. I'll give you an example. Let's say that, that I come up here and God told me, he didn't, but I, but I told you, God told me he wants all of us to read 24 books this year, all of us, and you can pick the books. And if you complete that goal, God's going to bless you, and if you don't, God's going to punish you, right? God didn't say, I'm making all this up. I just got to be real clear when I say something like this. If you believe that God had told this church that was the goal, if you really believe that was from God, would you read 24 books? Come on. I hope so. If you believed it was from God, why would you not? But how would you read those books? I know what I'd do. I read it, I read it, one down, check, list, right? I'm not soaking myself in the book. I'm not doing any of that because the goal is just to complete the list. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not trying, it's like in school, you know, where we could spend hours reading something. You go to class, did you read? I read. Do you remember anything you read? No. Was that the assignment? The, the thing said, read the book. It didn't say understand the book. It said, read the book. That's all I did, right? The danger in our spirituality, in this relationship with God is to turn it into a list, 
and it sucks the life out of it, right? Because then we're just trying to complete it. I came to church, what more do you want, right? I read the Bible, and I'm all for reading the Bible. Let me just ask this question. Can somebody read the Bible every day and not change? Absolutely. We have evidence that that's true. That's not a debate. That is possible. Now, we want you to read the Bible, but we want you to, the motivation to be a relationship and a lifestyle, not a list. The scripture is going to help mold and change you. But if you make it a list, it becomes something you check off the list. Now, here, here's a better question. Can you spend quality time with Jesus every day and not change? No, you cannot. That's what we're about. Now, quality time with Jesus, for me, always includes scripture. He speaks through that. Here's, here's a statement that we like to say, that our number one priority today is to spend quality time. My, number, my primary responsibility today is to spend quality time with God. Karis asked me, she said, you didn't say it like the, the slide says. I said, well, can't you, as I say what I say, can't you type real quick and match the slide to what I say? It's, that's not that hard. Um, we want to focus, we want to focus on lifestyle of walking with Jesus, not a list. Because the temptation when we focus on the list, the temptation becomes to check a box. All right, so here, here's our 2024. You ready for this, Raph Lane? You ready? We don't want to check a box. Instead of checking a box, let's run to Pops. <laughs> Going back to uh, Christmas Eve, we talked about the kid running home and the open arms of the father, right? We, do, we want relationship. We want a lifestyle connected and embraced with our perfect, loving, heavenly father. We want to run to him. We don't want to just check a box. It's so easy to check a box, and there's no life. And that's why people are frustrated. That's why people are leaving church. It became checking a box. It became a list. And at some point, a lot of people during the pandemic, they thought, I've been checking this box for 30 years. For what? There's no payoff. There's no relationship. There's no joy. There's no life. Right, checking a box. Now, running to pops in the arms of father, there is never regret. There is never boredom. There is never any of that stuff. So you like it a little more now? I'm going to give you another one because we'll see if you get like this one better. Instead of checking boxes, let's set our clockses. Are <laughs> uh, you buzzered me? That was a no? You, you got, no. <laughs> one, of my, one, of my, one of my players on my team just gave me the. All right, what am I talking about? Setting our clocks to God, so in tuneness, right? So um, I was talking to Seth before his, before his mom died this week, and I said, hey, because I knew I was going to use this example. I didn't, God hadn't given me the brilliance of set our clockses yet. But I said, I see, you know, the musicians, Joe, they have these things they call in-ears. Normal people would call them speakers or headphones, but, you know, if you're a, if you're a vocalist, you call them in-ears because they think they're better than other people. Um, <laughs> So every once in a while, every once in a while when the Lord's really moving, you see them take them out and they're just going. And I asked Seth, I said, what would happen? Because we're trying to become a spirit-led church. What would happen if we just did no in-ears? And he said it would be chaos because that's what keeps everybody in tune, right? So that to say, if we set our internal clock to God, that's the lifestyle. It's not about a list because you don't know what's coming in 2024. It's not scripted. God does. I don't and you don't. But if you're tight with him and you're setting your daily clock to be in tune of, for the will of God, the voice of God, to listen, to be quiet before him, that's what it's about. That's way better than checking boxes. That, that chapter of 2 Corinthians, it talks about new in Christ. Here's how it finishes. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
when I Google check in boxes, the definition of, of check in boxes is to fulfill requirements. So Jesus fulfilled the requirement on our behalf. That's the gospel. What you couldn't do to get back to God, he did on your behalf. So we can rest in that and know that he's done all that we need to do. Let me end with one more basketball phrase. I tell this to my players all the time. We're trying to create readers, not robots. Readers, not robots. Because especially when they were younger in middle school, some of these girls I've been coaching for a while, they wanted me to draw the play. Exactly. You're going to pass to the wing. You're going to cut through. She's going to screen for her. Then they're going to cut through. Then she's going to be open. Then you hit her, and then she shoots the layup. That's, and they, and they, they were robots. And then they went out. The problem is, in basketball, there's five other girls trying to stop you from doing what you're trying to do. So then there's a girl in the way. And then they're looking at me like, can't run the play, coach, because she's in the way. <laughs> right? It's like, we're not, we got to make you read, you got to be able to read the play and read the opponent. Some of you don't know, if you're a Christian trying to live 2024 with him, you have opposition. There's an enemy that hates you, and he would love for you to focus on religion, not relationship. He'd love for you to focus on a list and not a lifestyle. And you've got to be able to read life and be aware and have a relationship where you can call on him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going to go through, but he does, and he's got answers, and he will walk you through it. That's how he's the hero of your story, when we're able to read the situation. Jesus, I've never been through this before. I've never had kids graduate from high school. I don't know how to do this. Where's the manual? He will, I got to read, and I got to be tight with him and live the lifestyle of being dependent on Jesus, and he'll walk me through that as a dad, and he'll walk you through whatever your next step is in life and in 2024. Is it going to be the best year ever? I have no idea. We think it can be. We think this series in the next few weeks is going to help this be your best year ever. Here's what, here's what you can control. You can control how tight you are with God. Can't control your health. Can't control your family. Can't control your finances. You can contribute, but you can't control. God's done everything necessary for you to be tight with Jesus. This could be the year where you're tighter with Jesus than you've ever been. That is possible for every single person in this room. So we're going to pray towards that. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for new mercies that are so much better than the, than the year changing. Thank you that your mercies this morning showed up, that you look at us and you don't see how we've rebelled against you. You don't see our worst mistakes, that you see sons and daughters that were worth the blood of your precious son on the cross so that we could be free and come to you. God, I just pray that you would guide us in 2024, that we would follow behind you instead of running ahead of you, um, that, that we would put everything in your hands, that we would take one of this list that you really put on our heart and we would take it out of this room and into our lives today and tomorrow morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, happy new year, church.